0: All right, we are live. The COVID pandemic is over. That's if you ask uh, President Joe Biden. Now we need to sift through the rubble to see just how much damage was caused by the government lockdowns. The latest National Assessment of Educational Progress, or NAEP scores, uh, otherwise known as the nation's report card, uh, just came out showing major drops across the board. Also, there's been a few stories that have come out recently showing just how terrible the government's response to COVID-19 was. We're going to be talking about all of this and more in episode 369 of the In The Tank podcast. All right, hello and a welcome to the In the Tank podcast. As always, I'm your host, Donald Kendall. And joining me today, after three weeks of being absent from the show, Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today? Good, sir.
1: I'm doing great. It is uh, fantastic to be back. Uh, I'm a little out of practice on being on the In the Tank podcast, so I'm going to try not to say things that will get our YouTube channel banned uh, by, oh, oh. by Google Alphabet. Uh, but, I you know... It's, I'm out of practice. Can't make any promises. But a gym yeah. rant, at least one, is guaranteed.
0: Yeah, we are going to be treading that line. We, all the topics that we have picked out for today, um, we'll see what we'll see what happens, folks. <laughs> we'll see what happens. If our if our stream all of a sudden just shuts off, go to Rumble. It'll, it'll still be playing there. Also joining us, we've got Chris Talgo, Senior Editor here at the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? Doing better than most of America's uh, students are, Donnie. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say after looking at some of these results. but we'll get to that. Uh, but before we do I need to put out that message to all our audio only listeners that are probably catching the show on a Friday or later. You can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon Central time where we are streaming live on Facebook and Rumble and YouTube and Twitter. You can join the conversation. Uh, you can put your comments and questions in there. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. Um, so Jim is back. Jim is back, folks. So uh, you've missed three weeks in a row. This hasn't happened during your entire tenure on the show. I don't think you've ever missed three shows back to back to back. So uh, happy to be back. I am very happy to be back.
2: Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's good. I mean, I, you know, I, I miss that. I know that Justin did, you know, did his best to fill in for me. But, uh, <laughs> and then the, the podcasts were good. But, you know, now we're back
0: to top level, which is you know, what our <laughs> listeners expect. So we talked about a whole bunch of things while you were gone. Uh, One, draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Two, central bank-backed digital currencies. Uh, Three, a spokesman claiming that we own the science. A spokesman from the UN, I should say. Universal basic income plans entering the mainstream. And Bloomberg predicting a 100 chance of a recession coming soon, and uh, the census overcounting blue states and undercounting red states. So, Jim, I know that you have prepared uh, <laughs> Jim rants for all six of these <laughs> topics. I, I don't think we have the time for you to read all 56 pages of rants that you have built up and on uh, on your desk right there by your left hand. Uh, but do you have any brief comments about any of these things that uh, that we that we talked about in the in your absence?
1: uh no i mean i'll just say that the 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 episode on the strategic petroleum reserve was was very interesting like they all are but you know just it, joe biden has i think we're down to a one quarter capacity i think i saw that yesterday in the strategic petroleum reserve which is there for emergencies, in case you know there's a, a nuclear war or something like that, which they seem to be pushing for in Ukraine at this moment. <laughs> so, uh, and I think I actually read today. I think of the reserves that we have. We have about 25 days of diesel fuel left in this uh, in the in the reserve. So, you know, this is amazing. It's ridiculous. You know, and I'm actually reminded when when oil was 40 dollars a barrel. Uh, Donald Trump, when he was president, con- you know, uh, proposed filling it to the top uh, at w- at such low prices. And Chuck Schumer and the Democrats in Congress, uh, you know, got in his way and said, because that's the kind of that's the kind of expense you have to get through Congress. Yeah. You know, using the actual levers of our government properly to make sure these things happen. Uh, Chuck Schumer said, no, that would just be a sop to the to big oil. Uh, so once again, Donald Trump was right. Uh, Joe Biden is wrong and he's actually making things. I'm trying to think of one single thing. Joe Biden, since he's been president, has not made worse since taking over for Donald Trump. And I can't think of one. And the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is a very easy example to make that.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the last topic that I mentioned was last week's secondary topic was talking about the census and how they, oh, we made a mistake and we overcounted some states and we undercounted some states. And just by coincidence, all the, uh, all the states that we overcounted were blue. And just by coincidence, all of yeah. the states that we undercounted were red. So I made sure to put that patented gym line in here where it's like, Doesn't it always just seem coincidental that anytime there's a mistake, it always seems to go against one side of the aisle. So I made sure to get your uh, words of wisdom in that topic.
1: Much appreciated.
0: Um, All right. So uh, we got a lot of COVID related stuff. Uh, But let's trip through this other landmine filled uh, uh, topic of (laughs) of stealing the election and all of that. So Hillary Clinton. Uh, which we haven't really talked about too much on this podcast. It seems like the only way that she can grab headlines is when she says something stupid. So she said something stupid recently. So I think we have a video of Hillary Clinton talking about the GOP's plan to literally steal her words, not mine, the 2024 election. Let's go ahead and play old Hill dog.
2: Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that (laughs) is keeping me up at night. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead, because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right wing extremists (laughs) already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it the right-wing controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, (laughs) state legislatures, the power to overturn presidential elections.
0: You heard me that. Just think,
2: if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote, or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures, many of them Republican controlled. But there's also good news in the face of this very real threat to democracy. Indivisible has launched, Crush the coup to make sure we're ready to defend democracy in 2024.
0: Uh, you know, Ugh. I'm glad that she uh, that she just did one take. And she's like, you know what? That's good enough. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Fumble over what's in the
0: teleprop right in front of you. But uh, you think I'm going to sit down and do two takes? I'm Hillary no, Clinton. Damn you're it. not paying me enough for that. No, you didn't. You didn't pay enough for that. my cameo appearance for <laughs> that. So, Jim, surely she's going to be kicked off of social media any day now for suggesting that our elections could ever be anything but the most free and fair elections of all time. Right. Just well, any she- day now.
1: She's a longstanding election denier. You might even call her the original election denier. Uh, if you just want to only go back to 2016, if you think history started then, you know, she, you know, people forget. Oh God, let me back up again. You know, I, I watched a little bit of the clips of the, 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 the debate over for the uh, governorship of New York and Kathy Hochul, uh, who was a terrible human being and a, probably even a worse politician, accused her Republican challenger, Lee Zeldin, of being an election denier. Uh, it was Hillary Clinton when she couldn't believe that she lost. And one of my favorite details that I will never forget about that awesome night in November of 2016 was that Hillary Clinton did not come out in her, uh, uh, in her arena in New York City to uh, concede or even send her supporters home as there was going to be more fighting to do. She sent out John Podesta, her, uh, her campaign manager. Why? Because she was probably absolutely inconsolable she may have had maybe too much to drink and was in no condition to be seen by the public. So she sent out John Podesta and they sent everybody home. And then the very next day, this is in a book authors that she invited two authors to be inside embedded in the campaign in the, in the prospect of writing a book about the first female elected president of the United States An inside look, it's going to be history written right (laughs) away. Oh yeah. Whoops. It's uh, actually that didn't work out that way, but, they wrote in their book that came out, I think, six months later, that the next morning, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, maybe hung over. I don't know. Just speculating here, said to her team, we have to push this Russian collusion stuff. We have to say that Russia stole the election. The entire election denial of 2016 was cooked up and promoted by Hillary Clinton. And so I'm supposed to be surprised. Of course, I'm not that she's already pre denying the election, the presidential election in two years. Uh, well, and meanwhile, you know, everybody who maybe had a question, this is where I'm going to get in trouble. This is going to this is going to hurt the channel big time. But even mm-hmm. people that just wanted Jim's to opinion, folks, <laughs> just my opinion, just people that had questions about the most unusual presidential election any of us have ever witnessed with. All election rules pretty much thrown out and rewritten by Democrats all over the country, but especially in key swing states, raising questions about, hey, this seems a little weird. We are told gaslit by uh, by our government rulers that this is that was the most secure election in American history. Uh, You know, (laughs) we're supposed to believe that. And we're also supposed to accept that uh, Hillary Clinton is pre-denying a presidential election that is two years away. Uh, we live in bizarro world, man. I, sometimes I don't even know what to say.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I was like, all right, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Right. She says the GOP people aren't hiding their plans to openly literally steal the election. So I was just like, what is she talking about? Right. So because like this never comes across my newsfeed. I feel like I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm fairly aware of what the conservative side of the aisle is generally trying to do. And I apparently I'm not in those meetings. So I start looking through, you know, what is what is she talking about? Supreme Court? Like, what what is this? So this all boils down to a concept called the independent state legislature doctrine. So this is a very like in the weeds uh, concept that puts election rulemaking squarely in the hands of state legislatures. Uh, there is a Supreme Court case coming up that originates with North Carolina. Apparently, North Carolina state legislature redrew the congressional areas on the map and the state Supreme Court. Ah, uh, threw this map out, calling it like, I don't know, partisan trash or something. So then the uh, North Carolina legislature sued, saying that the court had no authority to do that. So apparently, this is this case is potentially opening the door to uh, to have the concept of the independent state legislature doctrine questioned. So if you look this up, you'll find a bunch of liberal pieces suggesting that radical radical conservative Supreme Court is going to open the door for the state legislators to say, Nah, yeah, we know that 100% of our state citizens voted for candidate A, but we're just going to give all of our votes to candidate B. And this might all sound crazy to you, and it's because it's not a real thing. Nobody on the right is calling for anything like this. And Hillary's claim that people are openly pushing for this. Where? Like, seriously, where? Because I don't see it. I don't see anybody talking about this. So this appears to be a massive straw man boogeyman concocted by the left to just fundraise for things called, uh, what was it, squash the, the coup or whatever, crush the coup. <laughs> so it's, uh, but I don't know, Chris, I was talking to you about it. So is there anything, uh, is there any, uh, am I downplaying this concept or is there anything that I'm missing when it comes to this or is it just a big straw man?
3: OK, well, first of all, uh, Hillary Clinton is like a broken record, in my opinion, because I remember way back in the mid to late 1990s in the uh, in the midst of uh, Bill Clinton's impeachment when Hillary Clinton went on the Today Show and talked about the vast right wing conspiracy. And ever since then, she's just been, uh, re- you know, just reclaiming that old tired talking point again and again and again, whenever things don't be seem to go in either her way or her party's way. So just got to get that off my chest. And uh, just to expand a little bit on what uh, Jim was saying about the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion hoax, let's never forget that the Hillary Clinton paid for the dossier that was complete and utter BS by Christopher Steele. And there were a whole bunch of other, uh, you know, Clinton campaign uh, people associated, Robbie Mook and uh, and others with uh, the the actual collusion hoax, so just gotta get that off my chest as well. Uh, so Donnie, <laughs> sorry, it's it's so uh, here we go now. Now to finally uh, address your question, um, in the uh, twenty twenty election uh, in Arizona, I think in particular, um, there was this uh, this crazy conspiracy theory uh, propagated by the left about the fake electors and that uh, certain states were going to go on the, on uh, uh, January 6th and propose their fake electors. And that never happened. There was never anything remotely resembling that in the process of happening. But this goes to show me that in 2024, they are preparing for anything and everything in the case that they lose, including the fact that they will then just claim Well, if a a state, uh, you know, went to the GOP, well, then we'll just, you know, say that the uh, the state electors are uh, are like moot. So it's it's complete BS. There is no reason to be worried about this at all. It's never happened in our nation's history. It's never going to happen. But I think this is more uh, more about uh, Hillary uh, laying the groundwork for 2024
0: and her eventual return. Uh, ah, no way! I'm I, I no I, way that's, that that's what, my opinion everyone in the comments let me let me uh give me the odds what uh percent chance do you think that Hillary Clinton is going to throw her name in the ring uh for the the 2024 because I'm putting it at a big old zero percent so I'm curious of what you guys think But uh, the broken record concept, I have here a list of of different times that Hillary Clinton has questioned an election, a just terrible thing that you could ever possibly do. She's got a long history of it. So in uh, 2002. Clinton said that Bush had been selected and not elected president. In 2016, Clinton said that the Supreme Court took away a presidency in Bush v. Gore. In September of 2017, Hillary Clinton said she would not rule out questioning the legitimacy of the 2016 elections. In May of 2019, Clinton said the 2016 election was stolen from her, quote, stolen from her. In September of 2019, Clinton dismissed Trump as an illegitimate president and said he knows he stole the 2016 presidential election. In October of 2019, Clinton said Trump knows he's again says he knows that he's an illegitimate president um in uh let's see where is this in 2020 Hillary said that uh Trump was going to sneak or steal his way to a second term so there's been and I and I I didn't read all of them I've got a whole bunch of bullets here there's even more than that but yeah, this idea that it's like it's only it's only Trump that's ever questioned you know an election, and it's something that we need congressional hearings and investigations on is just so absurd, Jim. Well, uh, you have another video that you want to uh, play for us too. Why don't you set that up for us?
1: Yeah, yeah, we do. You know, when this uh, Hillary clip came out this week about her pre-denying the 2024 election, and that was a great rundown of all of. That's not even a uh, comprehensive list, I'm sure, of all no, the other times Hillary has no. denied uh, the election. In fact, Democrats have not accepted a. Pre- the results of a presidential election since her husband, re- her husband's reelection in 1996, they just haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, uh, it wasn't just, uh, Trump's, it wasn't just in Trump's, uh, election in 2016, where members of the Democratic Party refused to certify the election uh, on the on the floor of Congress, but also George W. Bush in 2004, uh, including Jamie uh, Rankin, I think is his name. Raskin, who is mem- Raskin that's right. Uh, he's a deplorable person, uh, <laughs> but de- deplorable in the real way, not the way we we like to say. Raskin is deplorables. deplorable. Yeah. There, I got it for you, Andy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he refused to certify uh, the election of George uh, W. Bush in 2004 because he said that he stole um, Ohio or something because of Dominion voting machines and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's certain ways that you're so, you know, you're an election denier if you have any questions. I, I just I just wish this would this is a, a wish that will never that will never come true. But that this kind of these kind of questions that you that you might might want to raise can be just actually aired and not uh, banned. But it only the banning only goes one way. Hillary Clinton will pay has never paid a price for denying the elections that she has denied. But if anybody even raises questions about elections because there's a lot of weird stuff going on, uh, you are banned and your your channel's nuked from space, and you know you're considered a, a you know a kook and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, but but all of this stuff reminded me, um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are were reminded of it as well, when Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton fair and square, uh, a a slew of left-wing celebrities just couldn't stand for it. And they said that they have to do something about it. And they put together a PSA, a public service announcement, urging the members of the electoral college to deny the results of the election and not install by their votes, president as or Donald Trump as the duly elected president of the United States. Uh, And I watched it again. We have it here for our podcast and it triggered me, but it's, it's also kind of funny.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, so now we're here to horrible. trigger you, too. <laughs> Let's go ahead and <laughs> yeah. play this video.
1: Republican members of the Electoral College, this message is for you. As you know, our founding fathers built the Electoral College to safeguard the American people from the dangers of a demagogue. And to Charlie ensure Shane's that dad. the presidency only goes to someone who is, to an eminent degree, endowed with the requisite qualifications. An eminent degree. Someone who is highly qualified for the job. I can't stand The Electoral this. College was created specifically to prevent an unfit candidate from becoming president. There are 538 members of
0: the Electoral College. You.
1: And just 36 other conscientious Republican electors can make a difference. Are all these By supposed to be On December 19th. Yeah. And okay. thereby shaping the future of our nation.
2: I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton.
1: I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton.
2: Oh, that's the best part. As the Constitution gives electors the right to vote for any eligible person.
1: Any eligible person, no
2: matter which party they belong to.
1: But it should certainly be someone you consider especially competent.
2: Especially competent to serve oh, as president of the United States of America. read a sweat, not By voting
0: good. your conscience, you and other brave Republican
1: electors can give the House of Representatives... Oh, wow the option to select a qualified
2: candidate for the presidency.
1: I stand with you. I stand with you. I stand with you. Mm. I stand with you in support and solidarity with conservatives, independents, and liberals. And all citizens of the United States. Real bipartisan. States. The American people trust that your voice speaks for us all.
2: And that you, you will make yourself heard through the constitutional responsibility granted to you by Alexander Hamilton himself. What is evident is that <laughs> Donald Trump lacks more than the qualities. of the washed up losers. President. He lacks the necessary stability. And clearly the, only the respect acting the can constitution
1: get. of our great nation. You have the position. The authority. And the opportunity to go down in the books as an American hero.
2: Who changed A hero. the course of history. And you have my respect.
1: You have my respect.
2: Oh, you have that my makes respect. respect. That's great. For your
1: patriotism. And service to the American people. Unite
2: okay. for right. America. So so, so Donnie, just,
3: just real quick, uh, what they are asking the Republican electors to do is to go and change their vote to Hillary Clinton. They are asked they are literally asking them to overturn the election. Right. Uh I mean I just we just have to make that crystal clear.
1: Yeah. It, it, you might call it a coup. <laughs> yeah. And actually, somebody needs to recut that video and just put pictures of Joe Biden up there because, you know, the the, the Electoral College is there to, quote, stop an unfit person becoming president of the United States. That's Joe Biden. and and He's not fit for the presidency.
3: And could you imagine the outcry that would happen if a Republican aligned or like a rightist aligned
0: organization? Oh,
3: my gosh. uh, Had the same ad
0: about, you know, Joe Biden. We should we should like get conservative conservative celebrities and recut it word for word for the next election and and see the media explode because they have such short-term memory they'll have I mean, forgotten that the they FBI, did the exact the same FBI thing I would
3: go and you know arrest them on site with a 30 person SWAT <laughs> team and shove right. them into a uh, you know a federal prison never to be seen or heard again
0: Right, I'm sure that the people that went to the Capitol on a certain day in January thought that they were going to be memorialized as heroes in the same way that these people were were saying that if you do this, you're going to be a hero. Like it's and, the it's the same thing. Well, one of note, them is the biggest tragedy in America since, and maybe even including 9/11, and the other one you get praise from all of these C-list actors. It's a and,
1: joke. And, and note and note that they uh, they said basically they only needed what was it the number 23 or 35 or something like that. So basically. 23 or 35 people can overturn an election by, by shenanigans uh, at voting. The by, listening <laughs> by listening to Martin Sheen. By listening to yeah. And this is really going to convince them. I just love when they all repeat the same line together for emphasis to make sure that uh, that's really going to convince people. Uh, you know, I don't know if our celebrities, maybe, maybe they're just worn out. I don't think we're going to see something like that again,
0: but I hope we do because that's some of the best unintentional comedy of the last four years. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> I completely forgot about that. What a, what a, that what a crazy video what a crazy video especially in the context of what we're going through right now unbelievable mm-hmm. the double standards it's geez um all right we should get to our our main topics here so I got like several topics that relate to COVID-19 so we'll see how many of them we can get through here within the remaining 35 minutes but um if we haven't been kicked off of YouTube yet uh let's talk about covid so the continued post-mortem of the COVID-19 lockdowns. And when I say COVID-19 lockdowns, you know I mean government lockdowns in response to COVID-19. That should go without saying. So we've discussed in previous episodes the ramifications, uh, the, the uh, economic ramifications of the lockdowns. We've talked about the toll paid by small businesses because of these lockdowns. We've talked about the continued debasement of the U.S. dollar. We've talked about the psychological toll that's of these seemingly endless lockdowns and social distancing and mandatory masking has had uh, on everybody. And uh, we may have even briefly talked about the negative effects that closing schools across the nation have had. But now we have some proof of those male effects so the latest national assessment of educational progress or nape scores are out and it's not looking good not looking good at all for the youth of our nation also called the nation's report card the monday's release of the 2022 nape scores have revealed an across the board drop in student proficiency when it comes to math and reading uh, the NAEP scores results showed a record drop. In fact, it didn't just it didn't just go down a little bit. It was a record drop in all of these metrics. So the tests only measure fourth graders and eighth graders. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, we could have some education expert come on and explain why they have those as like the baseline things. But uh, one of the takeaways here, nationwide, only 33 percent of fourth graders and 31 percent of eighth graders read at or above grade proficiency. A third. Less than a third for eighth graders. So a small price to pay to make sure that everyone wasn't killed by COVID. Am I right, Jim? What do you think? (laughs) Uh,
1: No, that's way too high a price to pay. I mean, I'm I'm interested (laughs) to hear Chris's uh, take on this. Chris is a former public school teacher himself. He escaped the system uh, and came over to the, the the free side of the wall, uh, and to do, do work that actually helps this uh, country. Although, you know, being a public school teacher and not being a incompetent leftist, uh, is Mm -hmm. a pretty big deal. So, you know, actually it's not a good thing that Chris isn't in the public school system anymore. (laughs) No, it is a good
3: thing.
0: Trust me. Oh, okay. (laughs) For my yeah. sanity. Yeah, yeah. Chris has his sanity. It was a small price to pay. Yeah, that's true. But,
1: you know, we just, we never had, it, it's infuriating again. Uh, I think Jake Tapper was on uh, on his Lightly Watched show on CNN the other day, lamenting that we haven't really had a national conversation about what closing the schools uh, would really do to children in this country, not just their academic achievement, which is uh, I think the, I think I saw today the ACT scores uh, to, for college admissions uh, this year were the lowest in 30 years. Uh, I saw another uh, note that we have lost in a different way they measure academic achievement, that we've lost 20 years of progress uh, on, on, on advancement in, in, uh, in education. And so to hear Jake Tapper lament that, you know, we just never really had a national conversation on on what these COVID lockdown uh, policies would actually do to society and especially our children. It's infuriating because we've had that conversation. Mm. We've had that conversation on this podcast and we've had our channel uh, threatened to be taken down. We have flags put up before we even went live. As soon as we posted this video to go live the next day, yesterday, uh, on YouTube, it automatically got a COVID-19 warning flag on it. Sure. Uh, so we've been having these conversations. People, I like to say, uh, I know the title of this podcast, uh, I encourage you to do this, Donnie, uh, was like COVID truthers were right. Um, uh, and actually, is COVID realists, you know, we are at the Heartless Institute, we're climate realists, we are election realists, or at least I am and we're also covid realists and this discussion about the real and and damaging and disastrous really trade-offs for shutting down the entire economy for keeping kids out of school in in the case of california out of in-person school for 18 months these things have costs and what was the benefit of it to protect children who uh, who who die? Uh, who whose fatality rate for for contracting COVID even without a vaccine is point zero 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 three percent? To less protect than the flu, less than the flu. Yes, more kids die of the flu than died of COVID. Uh, and 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 a lot of the kids couldn't even get back vaccines, of course, uh, for a long long time. So you know this was all done remember and to pull it back, I guess, to the election uh, denial stuff that we had on this stuff, the election realism stuff that we started this podcast talking about. All of this was done to stop Donald Trump. There was literally nothing. There was literally no cost that was too high to the left and the the people that that run our our systems, who run our government, our ruling class and our media class and our entertainment class. There was no price they were willing you to pay to make sure uh, Donald Trump got out of the White House. That's really where this all came from. That's why they could never stop it. And now they and they've continued it because they consider it a way to keep their grip on power.
0: Yeah, you know, Jim, you you say this, uh, you say that you said something similar to this in just that little uh pseudo Jim rant, but uh you say it in other topics too, where it's like when you shut down the conversations that we're having, when you restrict certain speech uh, from certain people on uh, you know, on just the news media, social media, and then you act surprised when you're caught off guard by the male effects of something. Well, it's like you wouldn't be surprised if you allowed to have the debate in the first place. So that, that that pertains to this, that pertains to our energy topics that we talk about. It pertains to everything. Like, the, yeah, it's a surprise, surprise. There's a, a bad effects of, of limiting free speech. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. What? But uh, Chris, yeah, I'm, I'm curious of your take with all of this.
3: Yeah, um, you know I think Jim uh, made a lot of great points. Uh when I, when I was teaching, I was teaching uh, mostly freshmen and sophomores uh, down in Bluffton, South Carolina, and uh, one of the problems that we had and this was across, you know, the entire school district was that kids even back then, this was in like 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, those kids were already well behind the uh, mm-hmm. the the curve when it came to reading, math and some other like core subject areas. And unfortunately, what's happened uh, after the uh, school shutdowns is that we have uh, increased the disparity between uh, uh, majority minority neighborhoods and uh affluent mostly white neighborhoods because most Mm. of the affluent mostly white neighborhoods those people those families could afford tutors those families could afford uh, sending their kids to private schools which did remain open and those families had uh, parents who were able to work at uh, work from home and uh, teach their kids but as we've as we have seen most of the public schools in uh, urban areas which those kids were already falling so far behind they have fallen even further behind And I just saw a study that in the Chicago public school system, 15% of the students have just fallen off the uh, radar. That means that they are not even in school. They're not even showing up to school. They aren't even getting any education whatsoever. So I think, you know, not only has this had a bad effect upon, you know, nationally and in our children's uh, education, but it's had a really, really terrible effect On the very people that the Democratic Party says that they are so concerned with and the very things that they are so concerned with in terms of equity, diversion and inclusion, because I can't stress this enough. The people who were most most, uh, uh, you know, uh, hurt by the lockdowns and especially the school lockdowns were mostly minority Americans.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm reading from a piece from education policy expert Lindsay Burke, and uh, it's it's a piece called New, New NAEP Test Scores Are a Disaster, Blame Teachers' Unions. <clears throat> and in it, she points out that student scores declined more on average in states where remote learning was more prevalent. She wrote, the relationship between remote learning and uh, learning declines is negative and statistically significant. Jim, that's just got to be a coincidence, though, right? I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, (laughs) sure,
1: surely. Yeah. Uh, Hey, and let's let's remember, kids are resilient. That's what Mm. uh, that's what the teachers unions told us. In fact, I I looked this up this morning, Uh, the Chicago teachers. And and let's remember the CDC, their recommendations for what to do as far as school opening and closing policies was run by the uh, the American Federation of Teachers. They got to actually make the policy, not the CDC. So it wasn't based on science. It was based on, on politics and the desires of the teachers unions. They're the ones who said we can't open the schools until we get um, X number of people vaccinated. They're the ones who put in place these these soul crushing policies, like putting plexiglass around each of the uh, around desks in the classroom, keeping kids six feet apart, putting them outside in the cold to eat in a circle. You know, they draw circles outside in the playground to sit there in the cold and eat their lunch away from other children uh put masks on all day breathing in their own carbon dioxide for the entire after, you know the entire time they're in school keeping them away from each other um, they're the ones the, the, the teachers unions are the ones who made these policies not it wasn't based on science it was based on on their desires chicago teachers union this was a tweet from december of 2020 it's since been deleted not a not a shock uh, the chicago teachers union said the push to reopen schools was quote rooted in sexism racism and misogyny so if you wanted your kid To get a proper education, you were a a sexist, a racist, and a misogynist. All three. Uh, Yeah, all three. (laughs) I think two of them might overlap, but what do I know? I'm not not really versed on all that stuff. Uh, Cicely Myart cruz the president of the United Teachers of Los Angeles, in May of 2021, said, quote, there is no such thing as learning loss. Our kids didn't lose anything. It's okay that our babies may not have learned all their times tables. They learned resilience. And so your teachers unions in this country- Uh, That are that are the most they are the number one uh, voting block for Democrats in this country. The Democrats would get nowhere without their teachers unions and their and their their relationship is symbiotic. They strengthen each other. Mm -hmm. It was the teachers unions that did this. They said that their kids are resilient. And we obviously now see the data, which was obvious to every covid realist and parent in this country that my kid is suffering. That, you know, Zoom school is not real school. You know, I have I have a nephew who did not have a uh, get to have a proper high school graduation because of school shutdowns, and that is that is a that is a tragedy. That is a, a tragic time. Or it's tragic that that is a time in someone's life that they will never get back. And it wasn't just education uh, and knowledge that was stolen from America's children by these really unscientific and stupid policies, but it was their actually their social and their psychological lives too. They'll never get that back. The damage is really really is incalculable. That's the word that should be used.
3: Yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, Donnie, we're talking about the education uh, aspects of this, and obviously the education aspects are terrible, uh, but those can be uh, reclaimed, you know, through uh, uh, tutoring and, you know, other other means. But uh, what Jim was talking about, the the social and the psychological uh, impact that this is having on kids, we have we have no clue how how this is going to manifest. We've already seen uh, increased suicide increased obesity, increased depression, increased drug use. All of those are very, very bad uh, uh, things that are happening uh, to our children because we locked them in a room for more, over a year and told them, just stare at this screen all day. Don't have any don't have any physical or social interaction with your peers. Just sit in this room all day long and stare at this screen. That yeah. is going to have such ripple effects for these kids for for years, decades. We we won't know until the longitudinal studies are performed.
0: And this is just like the latest stuff that's like destroyed our education system. Just put it on top of everything else that's been going on that's destroying our education system. I have some family that works in the education sphere, and it's the stories that I hear. It's uh, it's a nightmare. That's well, you an and, and, well, I mean, I, you know, you would think that given the fact that
3: we know now that these kids are behind the eight ball, that they would be trying to catch up as much as possible. However, in our neck of the woods, in the uh, Chicagoland uh, northern suburbs, it seems like they're focusing a lot on DEI and they're focusing a lot on this no. Uh, transgender. Uh, no, they'll just lower uh, the standards.
0: Agenda. They'll just keep lowering the standards. Uh, The best way to boost proficiency in reading is just lowering the standards of what it means to be (laughs) proficient in reading. So that's surely the the solution to all of this. Uh, Jim, it seems like you got another video for us. And I saw this one beforehand. But it seems that, uh, you know, once the results start coming in and uh, the reality of the situation and all the mal effects of shutting down the schools, it starts to become undeniable. The people that were pushing for those closures uh seem to be trying to distance themselves no 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 that wasn't my idea so uh yeah let's start off with this fauci club we come back and say fauci was responsible for closing schools i
1: had nothing yeah. to do i mean you're, you're, not, you're, let's, let's get
0: down, you're, down to the facts clearly in certain circumstances
1: particularly in areas where there's community spread the, the schools should be
0: closed can you point to any scientific reasons for students in the United States not to return to in-person classes tomorrow, as long as schools are taking the five steps that we referred to earlier, masking, uh, cl- cleansing, etc Wh- Why not open the schools right now?
2: You know, I think if you look at what's, as you noted, there's 90% of communities with this high rate of transmission going on right now. And we we really don't wanna bring community disease into the classroom. We also know that um, mask breaching is among the reasons that uh, we have transmission within schools when it happens. (laughs) And so we really need to do the hard work to make sure that there's universal masking, there's uh, strict six feet of distancing between, that there's cohorting or potting, so that um, there's, there's a restriction of disease if it were to be transmitted, um, you know, and all of the contact tracing and whatnot that needs to be done. And, and all of that is really hard to put together.
0: I must say that if you are in a red area, state, city it. or county, then you really better think carefully before you just jump into school. And, so, and the people who don't like my saying that should realize that the best way to get your school open is to get out of a red zone, into a yellow zone, into a green zone. So if you want your schools to open, get your community level down, down to a safe level.
2: And and again, we hear you and we know there are still skeptics uh, out there among (laughs) the American public.
0: So Jim, uh, so he had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do. It's like, yeah. I, I don't think that you're the guy that's welding the doors closed on the school, but you were in a position where you were recommending that schools be shut down and politicians listen to you. I think that puts you pretty squarely in the had something to do with it category. What do you think?
1: I just found a way to tie this into our opening topic and really get us banned because <laughs> I I think I haven't tried oh hard enough to get this uh, get this channel uh, nuke from space. Uh, Donald Trump is supposedly responsible for January sixth, through his rhetoric, uh, both before his speech uh, on in Washington D.C. on that day, and afterwards, uh, but Anthony Fauci and uh, Rachel Walensky, the head of CDC and and uh, Fauci, head of uh, N.A.I.D., these um, uh, him saying putting out these guidelines. Schools across the country. We live here in Illinois, we're a deep blue state. Uh, our governor said we are going to follow the CDC guidelines. We won't open the schools. We're just going to all of our school policies. And in fact, public policy, you know, going to a grocery store and all that stuff is going to be based on what Fauci says and what Walensky says. And for for Anthony Fauci to say that he had nothing to do with it, nothing, nothing to do with the the schools being closed when we just showed you those clips. And there are scores and scores of other clips I could have found. I only got a chance to do it this morning. Uh, Look, you told people to follow your guidelines. They followed your guidelines. Schools were closed. In, in the case of California, for 18 months, in some places, much longer. And in Florida, they opened faster. Tennessee, they opened faster. Texas, they opened faster. And the preliminary evidence shows that those kids did a little bit better, didn't fall as far behind as everybody else did. And uh, actually, and this is an important thing to remember, the country of Sweden, so, that, so, so we can compare the United States to other countries that didn't shut down at all like Sweden. Sweden didn't didn't shut down their schools, not for a single day. Their COVID illness status uh, stats were just the same as ours, if not better. New England Journal of Medicine study of Sweden found, quote, no measurable effect on the number of cases of COVID among children and no increased risk for teachers. Yet in this country, our ruling class from Washington, D.C., said that we would be putting teachers at risk If we allowed kids into school, teachers on social media, on Twitter, you could see it all the time. And they would say openly, I'm not risking my life. If you open the school, you're putting my life at risk. The data shows that that was that was never the case. And then when we did open schools, we put the kids through this miserable uh, experience of being masked all the time. And in that clip, you see Walensky said, well, sure, we can reopen the schools if you get 100 percent mask compliance. Try getting a third grader to keep his his mask on at all times, because under her guidance, unless if a kid takes the the mask off, well, then you got to close the school, I suppose, and keep everybody six feet apart. You know, they they set this absolutely impossible to learn to to leap hurdle of, of when we can open schools. But Fauci has the gall to go on ABC News, which is where that original clip was from, just from a few days ago, and say, I had nothing to do with it. What a joke. What a joke. And what a jerk. And uh, if the Republicans take over the Congress uh, in November, um, he's already going to be retired. They got to find a way. There has to be a way to hold the, the most highly paid and most powerful federal bureaucrat, maybe in history, accountable for his lies, his gaslighting and the horrible, horrible decisions that have harmed children in this country more than anything anybody alive can actually even imagine having happened before.
3: Donnie, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci is far from the uh, only one who is uh, running away from these school shutdowns that they were uh, so in favor of, uh, you know, in 2020 and 2021. I was watching the uh, uh, Michigan gubernatorial debate between uh, Gretchen Whitmer and um, uh, her opponent. Uh, I think her name is uh, Tudor Dixon. And uh, Gretchen Whitmer says, well, I never closed down the, the schools. And uh, her opponent said, of course, you didn't, but you told the state health department to shut down the schools. So these are these are a lot of Democrats, I think, who are who are worried about the parental backlash come 2022, 2024, 2026, whenever they're uh, next up for reelection. And now they are trying to rewrite history and say, no, actually, I was never in charge. I was never in favor of uh, closing schools. And unfortunately, I think that that message might uh you know resonate with people because the mainstream media is not going to call them out for that
0: gaslighting you jim you said gaslighting was going to be like the word of the year it's got to be like the word of like the decade because like it said that too it's unbelievable but go ahead you're going to say well, I
1: mean gaslighting right now you i've seen people uh you know that are that are say on on twitter and other places that look the schools weren't closed the school buildings were closed. We still had virtual learning. So the schools actually weren't closed, you liars, and probably trying to get people like us, COVID realists, uh, banned from social media for pointing out the hypocrisy. But saying right. that the schools weren't closed, just the buildings were closed, was like saying church isn't closed. Just the building where you go to church is closed. But church is still open uh, somehow. I mean, it's absurd. Look, they may think they can get away with this. And that's, and I think, this this is actually doing a favor for people who want to see a change in Washington because this gaslighting, people just can't take it. I'm not the only one ranting. I'm ranting here on this podcast, but people are, are ranting in their minds because they're being gaslit. They're pretending that there really were no shutdowns. Look, I remember, you know, people standing outside uh, Menards, which is a home improvement store here uh, in Illinois. They were standing outside before they'd be allowed to let in because there was a limit on the number of people that you could allow in there. Um, people couldn't go to the grocery store or you had to go up and down the lines and all this stuff, people, keeping people six feet apart, of which there was no scientific basis for this six feet. It was arbitrary and pulled out of the air. Europe, it was three feet, you know. So are, we were killing people in Europe because it was only three feet of distancing instead of six here in the United States. Are we safer because of that? This entire thing is a farce. And it's it's good that there is some kind of political backlash to this, uh, to, to to the way we were misruled by our ruling class. Uh, but we have a long way to go. They, they, what the COVID pandemic proved was just really how corrupt and uncaring our uh, our our most of our politicians and our ruling class bureaucracy in Washington really is. They did not care, and they still don't care about the damage done to kids. They 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 their goal, get the bad orange man out of the White House, and we'll we'll clean up the mess later. And in fact, we'll just pretend there isn't actually a mess that you're no. uh, you're 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 imagining things. Well, but and these things don't... actually didn't happen.
3: And they don't care because they were mostly insulated from it. You know, Gavin Newsom, he was
0: sending his kids to to private schools while he was shutting down uh, California's public schools. Yeah. It, it 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 was a flexing of authoritarianism, and then everyone anyone that questioned it was either uh, shut down off of social media and the media in general, or you know called some type of derogatory name that didn't take you know COVID seriously enough or something like that. So it was a, it was a total flex of authoritarianism, and uh, that flex was also seen in another COVID related topic that I want to talk about. So remember when we criticized cities where they were firing people for not getting the vaccine. Well, it appears as though that some courts are going to start agreeing with us on that. So I'm reading from a New York Post article. Uh, Actually, I'm not. I'm referencing a New York Post article. Uh, So New York City was one of the places where the government mandated vaccines for municipal workers. A bunch of people refused to do so and were fired. Well, now a state judge has ruled that the more than 1,750 workers that were fired, including 36 uh, employees of the New York Police department and more than 950 employees of the Department of Education must be allowed to return to their work and compensated with back pay for the duration of their dismissal. So that's got a hefty number behind it, I'm sure. The judge said the original order by the city violated the workers' substantive and procedural due process rights, and that the city didn't have the power and authority to permanently exclude them from their workplace. So, uh, Chris, I'm going to go to you for your uh, your initial takes on on this ruling. What do you think? I think this is
3: great news because I think that people should never be forced to take a vaccine. In which that uh, these companies have a legal uh, liability from being sued because they are uh, because they're experimental. So not only does this just you know defy common sense, but it also uh, defies the fact that a lot of these people probably had COVID and probably have you know natural immunity, and they don't need uh, to be vaccinated. So I mean, there's just so many levels of this. Uh, this is good. This is you know a good start. I hope that you know more. Uh, courts rule in the same uh in the same way on this issue but let's not forget that you know an untold number of people were fired from their jobs because of the vaccine mandate uh they also uh, uh impacted the uh, uh, us military because you know we lost lots of uh soldiers you know throughout our uh, our branches of the military and um You know, this is this is going to have, you know, long, long time uh, ramifications because we know that a lot of people do not want to take this vaccine.
0: Yeah, Jim, I mean, a lot of jurisdictions impose the same, if not very similar mandates. Um, I was looking at a chart earlier and it was showing that Seattle, Portland, L.A., San Diego, Chicago, Milwaukee, like you you name a major city, they probably had these same type of uh, vaccine mandates. And then also, didn't uh, Biden do like a national level one for... like uh government employees as well so and
1: and for uh, businesses
3: over 50 employees
0: (laughs) yeah that got
1: that got thrown out by this was the supreme court that came in right away
0: so so are we going to see like similar rulings coming from all these other jurisdictions or or is this going to be a one-off what do you think Well, one of the things I actually worry
1: about is like, does the left actually have the left that's in control of like government? Do they actually have a great record of actually complying with federal, with, uh, with court rulings? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Uh, (laughs) so I'm actually not, not so certain that this is going to happen. They'll just defy it. They just like, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't recognize the legitimacy of that uh, decision. So the hell with it. I'm not going to do it. But let's remember, you know, why these vaccine mandates were put in place. If you want to give the absolute benefit of the doubt, uh, to the Biden administration and to these, uh, you know, blue states and heavily democratic you know, municipalities that it, that uh, imposed these vaccine mandates on their workers, right? It was because the vaccine was supposed to prevent transmission. Um, it, it was so that you wouldn't give, you wouldn't get COVID, and then you would also wouldn't get anybody. Now, this is another clip we could have had for today, and I didn't, uh, I didn't think of it because I didn't think I'd say this today. But there's a clip of uh, Rachel Maddow herself. On MSNBC, the, the, uh, you know, the beacon, the the media beacon for everybody on the left. And she said flat out on her show, you get the vax and you will not give it to anybody. The vax stops in you. It dies. And that ends the transmission. And she was saying that because that's what she was told by her, uh, you know, by our society, but also by our government. And now they're pretending that they never said that either. The so so these mandates were in place to protect everybody. And now we're being gaslit. Again, because we are being told by I think people like Walensky and Fauci now that no, 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 we never said the vaccine stopped transmission. We never said that um, getting the vaccine would prevent you from getting getting the disease. We said it would help. It, it would help. Uh, it would help you not get as sick. Maybe probably not have to be hospitalized. That's what we said about the vaccine. Again, that is a gaslighting piece of hmm. BS because they did say that. Because why else would you mandate? The vaccine for a municipal worker, for our cops, for our nurses, uh, for our doctors, right. for our firemen, if not to prevent them from getting COVID-19, if they're just going to get sick, let them be sick, let them get sick and get home and then come back when they're healthy again. But no, that's why that's, they had that's why they had the mandate. If you give them the full benefit of the doubt. But I also, think they knew this from the beginning that uh, that it wasn't going to prevent it, but they just wanted to uh, you know, exert their power over people.
3: Let's also remember that these are the heroes who worked throughout the pandemic before the vaccine was that's even, right. uh, you know, available, and literally put their lives on the line. Right. Yeah, and also- if, a vac-
1: if a vaccine only mitigates the effects of the disease, it that is even more. If you didn't, if you needed any 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 reason whatsoever, that's even more reason to let people make their own personal choice. Because now we're yeah. not talking about giving it to grandma. Like everybody get vaccinated, or grandma's going to die. You know, that's what we were told. You can't have uh, Thanksgiving is coming. Nope. Don't invite anybody in who isn't vaccinated. Well, what the hell difference does it make if it doesn't actually prevent you from getting it or giving it? If it's only now we're told, and, and they say they told us this the whole time, that the vaccine helps you not get as sick. Mm-hmm. Why the hell does it matter then that every that only people that come to your Thanksgiving dinner are vaccinated? We part- these th- People remember this stuff, guys. <laughs> but we Jim, are part- not dumb. We have memories. But these part are of the- very important things you said to us and we listened because you were going to ruin Thanksgiving, ruin Christmas. Halloween is canceled. You can't go to school. I mean, Jesus, you think we're that dumb?
3: Go ahead. Brad. I think I think I think part of the problem is that, uh, you know, a, a a large percentage of Americans still do think that the vaccine stops transmission. Uh, You know, in my own family, I've got a couple of family members who still believe adamantly that the vaccine stops transmission because they do not, uh, you know, seek out information sources beyond, uh, you know, the the liberal uh, talking points in the mainstream media.
0: Yeah, just uh, next time somebody is adamant that uh, that's the case, just tell them to look up the definition of vaccine and how it was changed recently to exclude that idea that it's going to stop, you know, uh, your ability to transmit the disease when you've got it. Uh, I got like, Jim. You're you're muted. You're muted. But uh, yeah, we have... I,
1: I had to mute myself because you know. I was <laughs> yeah, you had to <laughs>
0: recompose.
1: I just I, I <laughs> muted myself before Andy did it. You know, I just like to have control of that myself. But but again, but in that I, I think you mentioned it, but in that ruling um, by the court in New York, uh, it said that, yeah, the vaccines don't prevent transmission. They just help you be less sick. So that's why these people need their jobs back, because they, the, that's what the vaccine is for. And that should be a personal choice. So you don't have to yell about it on a podcast like me. You could just read it. A, a, uh, you can just read it in black and white.
0: Yeah, there, there's a couple of other stories I'm not going to have time to get into, but all of the other links will be in the show notes. Um, I have a fact check Talking about uh, this this idea that uh, Pfizer admitted that uh, you know COVID didn't uh, the COVID vaccine didn't uh, wasn't ever tested on preventing transmission. So I have a thing on that if you want to check that out. Uh, but real briefly, I want to talk about this story, which is a New York Post article. It says judge orders Fauci. Sackey deposed in social media censorship lawsuit so i think this is a pretty interesting story i'm just going to read a couple paragraphs from this and then get chris's take says a federal judge has ordered dr anthony fauci and former white house press secretary jen Sackey to be deposed for a lawsuit that claims top officials in the biden administration colluded with social media companies to censor debate about the covid pandemic uh and the post exposure of the hunter biden laptop uh, Fauci, Sackey, and other administration officials must testify about their communications with tech companies as a part of a lawsuit brought in May by Republican Attorneys General Eric Schmidt of Missouri and Jeff Landry of Louisiana. So, Chris, what do you think about this? Do you think that we're going to get any new information or revel- revelations about this uh, about this story from this potential deposition? What do you think?
3: I'm sure we will. But to be honest, I don't need any more information because Jen Psaki, when she was uh, the White House press secretary, said to the American people that they, that they, the government are working with tech companies to suppress and (laughs) for what what they deem disinformation about the pandemic and a whole host of other issues. So they have already admitted it in public.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Jim, I'll, I'll give you final word on this or any of the other topics that we've talked about so far.
1: Uh, I, I have little faith that, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, an order that Fauci be deposed is actually going to be, is actually going to happen. Uh, hmm. I think the, the, the ruling class protects itself. They'll find a way to, we- to weasel out of that, or if he actually is deposed that he won't have to actually answer any real questions. I mean, uh, I know in the chat, you know, people are kind of excited that if the Republicans take over Congress, well, there will be a, a reckoning that they're going to bring Fauci up, uh, on, uh you know, in, in front of a committee to answer for his, uh, for his handling of COVID-19. I don't think that's ever, actually, I don't even think that's going to happen. And if it did, I don't think anything constructive would come of it. Um, I just have, I just have little faith that that's, that's the country we live in anymore. I don't think we live in a country where justice is done, where truth matters. I think we live in a country in where power matters. Power is all that matter. And, uh, uh, and and we're not in power. People that believe in freedom right now are not in power. And it's not just in the Congress, but in our administrative state, the administrative state that really runs this country. Um, they're the ones in power and they're not willing to give any of it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I, would, I
3: would throw I would throw the media academia, you know, Hollywood and a whole bunch of other uh, uh, institutions into that mix, too, which is why they are able to get away with this, Jim. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, crazy stuff. And like I said, there's even more stories that we can get into if we had more time. The CDC recommending that the the COVID-19 vaccine be included in the children immunization schedule and all of that. that that's another story that we could have gotten into which is a kind of a crazy one which i think is going to have major political ramifications um, ron DeSantis already said like as long as i'm around nobody in florida is going to have to worry about this but but it's a big deal because a lot of states automatically align their like guidelines when it comes to vaccines that kids need to enter the public schools they align them automatically with the cdc so as soon as the cdc like officially makes this a point if they didn't already i think they might have then, like all a bunch of different states will automatically kick in, and you'll need to have your, you know, six month old, two year old uh, uh, get the COVID 19 vaccine before they'd be eligible to go to public school. So, that's that's going to be an issue. And I think that's going to, you know, maybe it's good that we save that for a different show because just, I think that that's going to have uh, one, a lot of one, updates. Go one ahead. One super Chris.
3: quick note on that I was in uh, Walgreens yesterday and I saw at least, you know, 10, 12 very, very uh, young children getting their booster
0: hey all right uh well jim welcome back to the show a long three weeks without you but uh, i'm sure you'll be here next week as well but i want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode of the in the tank podcast join our show every thursday if you want to do the live stream version on facebook and rumble and youtube and twitter we are streaming at 12 o'clock noon central time so join the conversation throw your comments and questions in the chat maybe we'll show your uh comments on the screen maybe we'll address your questions on the fly you could also follow us on twitter at in the tank pod if you have any comments questions or suggestions for the show feel free to email us at in the tank podcast at gmail.com also if you want to help us break through those big tech algorithms to prevent content like this from being shown to more people you could do a couple of simple things that really help us out one of those is hitting that subscribe button one of them is hitting that like button leave a comment underneath the video all of these things won't cost you a cent only it costs you a bit of time but it helps us out greatly jim lakeley where can the fine people find you
1: at jay lakeley on twitter at heartland inst on twitter
0: and always visit heartland.org and chris talgo what do you have to pitch today
3: Heartland.org, as always, and StoppingSocialism.com.
0: Fantastic.
3: Thank
2: you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.